Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Good afternoon. I'm Lydia DiDiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, Revenue Management Consultancy, and I have the pleasure of hosting women and manufacturing today. And my guest is Philomena Malvona. She is the owner and one of the daughter of the founder of Jerry and Sal's Pizza Restaurant in Hanoverton, PA. And she is also an author, which we're going to talk about. She's had quite an interesting and exciting career. And I want to share that with our viewers today. So Philomena, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And I love your story as we were preparing and talking a little bit about what to share with the viewer. Now, I know you had shared with me that you were very young when your dad had an opportunity to move the family to Hanoverton to an existing restaurant. But tell us a little bit about your experience and, and maybe start with the name. Where did Jerry and Sal's come from? Jerry and Sal's. Jerry is my father and Sal was my uncle who was my mom's brother. Okay. So that's where Jerry and Sal come from. And how old is the business, Philomena? It will be 50 years old next year. So, and how old were you when you moved and started the whole business? So we were living in Brooklyn. My brother and I were born in Brooklyn and we shortly, I guess I was maybe three or four years old. We moved to Hanover, PA, which is right outside of Gettysburg. We moved very quickly. Dad had the opportunity to come to Hanover. So we, it was almost an overnight situation. So we moved to Hanover. We lived, I think dad moved into a little motel for a night or two. And then we moved to McSherry's town. We stayed there for about a year in an apartment. And then mom and dad bought a house in Hanover, PA, which mom is still in right now. We've been here ever since. So really a landmark in the community. Yes, definitely a staple. It's really interesting because I admire what your dad did because I think it's something now that I see so many women executives doing and owners like yourself, which is we make decisions quickly because we have to. The business environment says, hey, there's an opportunity. Yes or no, let's go. And if we say, well, I want to think about it, the opportunity passes by. So I think it was already a great opportunity in the making, kind of starting off with this opportunity. So go for it quickly. And speaking of opportunities, viewers, I want to share with you that we're doing something a little different today. You know, I know many of you after work, perhaps grab a glass of wine with your friends or a beer and kick back. So since Philomena is a woman restaurateur, I invited her today to pick a favorite vintage that she has. And bring a glass of wine with her. So, whoops, sorry, guys. I know it's a little hard for you to see. I'll do it this way. So I've got a rosé, Philo. What are you drinking? Reuniti, actually. All right. I know. (laughs) I grabbed the first thing I found. Reuniti on ice. There we go. Yes. Yes. Well, so anyway, viewers, this is just trying to be a little more realistic with how we all relate to each other and communicate. So cheers, everyone. Philomena, in terms of owning a restaurant, Share with us a little bit about, you know, you said you really grew up in the restaurant industry and that you were very small when you arrived in Hanoverton uh, with your parents taking over the restaurant. How old were you when you started working there? Oh, we got to Hanover when I was, again, three, four years old. And my mom and dad put my brother and myself into a little private Catholic school down the street. 
we didn't speak English very well. We spoke Spanish and Italian in the household. And there's a, a backstory to that. But so we, my brother and I stayed after school with the nuns and had to learn, you know, how to, to speak properly. We didn't, you know, I wasn't the greatest. So yeah, it was school and we would get picked up by my mom or a family member and it was off to the pizza shop. So it was school pizza shop. So I would still be in my uniform. I'd get to the pizza shop. And my after school snack was uh, anchovies on a piece of wax paper. So I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd have my anchovies and then I would head over to Sears, which was right next to the pizza shop. I'd sat there, watched cartoons in the TV department with my anchovies. And if I felt like taking a nap, I would go over to the uh, furniture department, take a nap on a bed or a couch and and make my way back to the pizza shop. And it was hilarious because the whole staff knew who we were. So it was like my home. It was extended family. And I got to tell you, I have never, ever heard of anyone (laughs) ever say they had anchovies as a snack. I'll eat them on, I won't eat them on pizza. That's just wrong. But I'll eat them on a Caesar salad. But I have to tell you, just on wax paper would be a challenge even now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I still do it today. Just out of the jar. And because we talked a bit in background, your mom is from Spain, is she not? No, both my parents are from Italy, Naples, Italy, born there. My mother and her family moved to Argentina, Buenos Aires, when she was a young girl. And so she grew up in Argentina. Later on, they all moved to Brooklyn, New York, where she met my father. So that's where the Spanish and the Italian comes from. And when we would get together with our family, it was one sentence would be Spanish, Italian, and maybe throw in a little English word too while we're at it. Everybody understood. It was great. But I would imagine being trilingual, that has to help you a great deal now as a restaurant owner in terms of your staff and hiring all different cultures. It sure does. The Spanish really comes in handy. We have so many people that come in, customers that don't speak any English and they'll yell for me, you know, I need a Spanish speaking person. So I'll go over and it creates a comfort and those customers know, you know, they can come to us and there's someone there that's going to understand them and be able to take their order. Well, and I think you you make a really good point, Philomena, because, you know, originally my mindset was I was thinking about the people that you employ that would be speaking Spanish, perhaps, because such a huge part of the population is Latin and therefore Spanish speaking. But your answer in terms of customers is something I hadn't thought of. So I think that brings a great point out in terms of, you know, how many entrepreneurs do we have and business owners that are tuning into this broadcast? And we've always got to think both directions, right? It's not just the back of the house and how we keep things running. Correct. But what about that? The front of the house and the customer who may not really understand English very well. And what options do we have for them, right? I know, and it's really nice. They'll be talking to us the whole time they're eating and they're so comfortable and they're so gracious because it's not something that they can find very easily. So to have a place where they can go and relax and have dinner with their entire family and be understood and they're relaxed and oh, I enjoy it. It just happened last night. There was a table of 12 that came in and she came to the counter and my brother and I were both there. So that was great. So your brother is your partner in the business. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So that's good. You have a built-in backup system with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. When one's on vacation, one is in the house and the other way around. So that's great comfort to have because no one loves your business like you do. And I think that's also a great point, which is the details 
and you and I talked a little bit about you are able to do everything from make the pizza dough to mop the floor, order the supplies, no matter what it is, you literally have to do everything. Yes. Yes. You really don't have a choice. You have to, me, I I train people. So I have to be able to let them know how to wash the dishes properly, how to change out the garbage bag and go wash your hands. And from start to finish, I have to know how to do everything so I can train correctly. I would think that also builds a lot of credibility with your staff because they see it's not just the boss lady who walks in and goes, you do this and you do that and you do this, but you're covered in flour. You're sweeping the floor. You're doing whatever it takes. Right. I'm sure when you had your party at 12 coming last night, everybody works together to get them served and get that meal then cleaned up, et cetera. You can't just stand by and go, oh, well, that's I'll just watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I take pride in that. I'm not afraid to get in the dirt and do dirty work, if you will. I enjoy it. I love what I do. I love what I do. It's not work for me. I leave home and I go to my other home and I'm there all day and I love what I do. And so passion for what you do matters a great deal. Because when you said you leave home and go to home, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that is so important for anyone that owns a business that wants to continue to own it. Because without that passion, you put in really long hours when you're doing everything all the time, because you don't ever know who's going to call off or what's not going to work out. Or especially I'm sure now with supply chain issues, you're constantly dealing with that as well. Hey, I ordered this many cases of tomatoes and I got this. Now what am I supposed to do? Right, right. You scramble, you run to the store and hope they have some. Yeah. Something that you can make work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that resiliency and ability to make decisions quickly, learn different ways to work together. Tell me for you as a woman, that had to be not particularly easy, assuming a role as an owner, especially when it sounds like your father basically, I mean, your mom and dad ran it together from what I understand. Yes. But that's a fairly male dominated industry, is it not? It is. I read yesterday, I was doing some research that I think it was the National Restaurant Association did say in a study this made this year that 50% of restaurant owners are now women. So we're doing something right. Yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. So yes, back to that. Yes. My dad was the man. So, you know, he did everything. Mom was there to help him. And then I came in later. My brother was there and then he went off to open his own restaurant, but he's back with me now. But yeah, working with family, people say to us, so you're so lucky you get to work with family. And I would just look at them and I'd have this look like, you know, You have no idea. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. My father had a different way of thinking and working. It was very old school, very militant. There was no such thing as taking a break or eating. I don't know. It was, you know, work. You worked. So I came in and I had other ideas and you had to change with the times and the new people that were coming in didn't agree with the way my dad did things. So I was like this middle guy trying to get my dad to understand them and trying to get them to understand my dad. And so I was trying to work both sides and make it come together smoothly. And that was not always easy. I mean, when people say, oh, you're so lucky, my head spins because I can remember screaming at the end of the night at my mom and dad, we have to do credit cards. Like, you know, times are changing. We have to accept credit cards, dad. And he'd be like, no, we're not doing it. So it's hard. It's hard. And then you want to change a couple things, maybe the menu or, or change how you go about things or bring in computers and 
oh my goodness. It's, it was a battle. It was a battle. A lot of days it was a battle until finally dad was like, do what you got to do. You know? And I was like, fine. So my brother and I brought in the credit cards, brought in the computers and, and changed things. But once we did that, my mom was like, I'm out because she was intimidated by the credit card machines and the computer. That woman, wow. When we had registers, she had every price memorized of every item. So it was literally, I want, you know, this, 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 she'd be like, you know, just punching in the numbers and she had it down. But now with the computer, which was easier because the computer remembered everything, you just had to punch it in. She couldn't do it. And also my father and his generation, when people would order pizza, we would literally yell it over to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, large pepperoni, half anchovies, whatever. And it would be like 10 pizzas at a time coming on a Friday night. I mean, whatever. It was all up here. There was no such thing as even writing it down. They just did it. They knew. Then the computers came and, you know, we would print things out. And dad was like, what, you know, what is this? <laughs> and so and it was tough. It was sometimes were just really, really tough to get them to make that change. And so that's when dad kind of backed off and let me kind of come in and take over a little bit. Mom was at this point out. She was just basically getting drinks. <laughs> so, <laughs> But we were all there. Yes, it was beautiful because we were always together. And I love that. I love that to this day because now it's me and my brother and my mom will come in. Dad passed away five years ago. So, but it's still there. We're always together and I am older now. So I appreciate that very much because I look around and I see that, you know, people aren't always with their families. So we are very fortunate to have that. And I am grateful for that. And my brother and I, when we came together again, that was a lot of, you know, bickering and, you know, a lot of bumping heads because he was this guy and I'm his little sister. And there was a lot of that going on with me. I didn't like that. I didn't do well with your little sister. You be quiet. I got this. And so that just did not go well with me. So we fought. Yes, but we decided, listen, you know, we can't fight. We can't fight. So if there's an issue, we come together, we hash it out. And at the end, it's, I love you. I love you too. And let's do this together. We have to do this together. So it's not always hard to work with family, but at the end, you're family and you have to remember that. So you got to do whatever it takes to get along and make it work. And my dad worked, holy cow, 14, 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week to get where we are, to give us what we have today. So that is always in front of me, reminding me, this is dad's house and I have to take care of it. We have to take care of it together. So that is huge. That's huge in my heart. It sounds like that's a mutual respect that you and your brother have relative to understanding because since you both grew up there, literally, you saw what it took. You saw those hours because you lived them. You might not have been working, obviously, seven or eight, 10 years old, but you still saw it and you knew the investment that it took for your parents to do that every single day to build what is a staple in the community. And so, you know, I think Philomena, you have a really unique perspective and came through an amazingly unique challenge because first of all, working with family, I believe is always a challenge Mm -hmm. because you live with them And then to work with them is a whole different dynamic. And then secondly, being that you're a woman and younger, which makes it twice as difficult. So I could 
certainly feel for you in terms of the conversation. You know, I'm kind of chuckling thinking about you saying, you know, look at credit cards. It's so time. Yeah. Right. And just trying to change the mentality of someone who's who can remember 10 pizzas with all the different toppings in his head. And now you want to put them on slips. But why? Why right. does the computer do it? I already know how to do it. What's the problem? Right. 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 And so that had to be very difficult because arguing your position as a woman and being respectful is one thing. But when it's your father or your older brother, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother level level of finesse that's required that is quite a dynamic. So I give you a ton of credit for getting through that. Yeah, well, I'm not sure about the finesse part, but it was hard. It was hard to be heard because their ideas were better. They were bigger. And I would just sit there and I would just have to just bite my tongue because I, you know, I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to fight, but years have passed and I've learned to to speak, I have to sit down with my brother, my mom, my dad, whatever at the time, and, and just be like, listen, we need to do this. You know, times are changing. People coming in working for us are coming from a different generation, different backgrounds, different cultures. We have to adjust. And I had to adjust with speaking of culture. We had different cultures come through our restaurant and everybody does when you're in the restaurant business. It's just the way it is. There are cultures that don't do well when a woman is telling them what to do or how to do it. So in the beginning, I did not have that finesse. I just told you to do something. Why aren't you doing it? And then they would be out the back door. They were not having it. They were not going to have a woman tell them what to do. And after a few left, I was like, okay, what's going on here? So I kind of had to change my approach, use my languages that I know and kind of build a a relationship first with them side by side. And I gained that respect and I gained their confidence. And then, you know, it was completely different. So now it's, it's easy. It's easy when I have somebody from a different culture come in. And sometimes I don't even say too much. They watch me. They just watch me. And then when we start having conversations, they're like, wow, they call me superwoman in the pizza shop because they're like, wow, you do everything and you're not scared of anything. And I, you know, and it makes me smile because that took a lot for them to say. And I love it. I love that they, you know, we have that relationship. Now we goof off. We, we, you know, we joke and we have that great communication together and we work well together. And there's not this, you know, head banging where I'm man and you are woman or I am woman. (laughs) You're my employee. So it's not like that. We're equal. And I want to keep it that way. I like it. It works well. But that's something that as a skill, you've clearly built up Philomena in terms of providing the example, just doing all of the jobs, anything that needs done, you're doing it as you're speaking, as you're talking with them. And then I think something you shared with me was asking for help rather than telling them to do something. In terms of buying, getting buy-in from men of cultures that typically are not matriarchal at all and are not comfortable with a woman telling them what to do. But if you ask for help, no problem. They'll take care of it for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And when they're over there, you know, and they're busy and they're making pizza and they've got, we have a pie called the Sicilian. So, you know, that takes, it takes you away from making that pizza to come over here and make this pizza. So, you know, when I'd hear someone say the Sicilian, I'd go grab it, slap it down next to them and I'd go at it. They would be like, oh, you can do that too. And I'd be like, yeah, I can do this. I gotcha. You know, so, (laughs) so I would throw that Sicilian in the oven and at the end of the night, they 
were so grateful to have me next to them because I was, you know, spinning the pies in the oven, taking them out, boxing, cutting, bagging, whatever, whatever. And all they had to concentrate on was making it and getting it in the oven. The rest I take care of. And at the end of the night, they are just so grateful for me to be by their side. And then that's how I've learned to build my relationship with them. And, you know, for them to look at me and see me as a coworker and not this woman boss image. I don't want to come across that way. I don't want to walk around and smack the whip. It's not me. I'm not doing that. I'm right there with you. But you're building, you're really building a family environment, essentially, within your business. And I think that's a great takeaway for our viewers in terms of it's about building colleague type relationships. Because at the end of the day, everybody in that shop knows who signs their paycheck. And there's no question about that. But an attitude of help, and you don't wait for them to ask you because then that's hard on their egos. Right. Rather, before they even ask you into it, they need help. Let me just get in there and do this. And so I think that that builds tremendous rapport and avoids all of the spots of tension that there could be. Right. Now, Let's move on from your career as a restaurateur into becoming an author. And I know this was something from what you shared with me that this was really important to you. Tell us about the book that you wrote. And if you have a copy, hold it up for me, please. I do. It's right here. All right. And so what would you do if, so what made you decide to write this book? Give us a little bit of background and tell us about it. This book has a crazy story behind it because, you know, I never wanted to get involved in the family business. That was not the plan. I don't know what the plan was, but it wasn't that. It was anything but that. One day my mom called and said, hey, the girl that does all our booking and blah, 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 this stuff, she's taking a two-week vacation. We need your help. Can you fill in while she's gone? Sure, no problem. I can handle this for two weeks. No big deal. (laughs) Two weeks turned out to be 25 years. So that's how that happened. And you know, when you're destined to do something, you just are. When God has a plan, it's there's nothing you can do about it. So I started working there and I've been there 25 years or so. And this new generation that was coming into work, the younger generation was coming into work. I started noticing this struggle with problem solving and it was getting worse by the day. And they would be blowing up my phone with text if I wasn't there. Hey, how do you change out toilet paper? Or where is the toilet paper? Or where are the napkins? Or there was a spill. What do I do? All these real common sense things were happening, it was getting worse and worse. And I was like, all right, what's going on? I don't understand this. One morning I woke up straight up in my bed and this title just popped in my head and I don't know where it came from. It just did. And I laid in bed and I thought, oh, well, that'd be a cool book. I don't, I'm not a writer. So, you know, so I let it go and it would continue. It took me six years legit six years to get this book where it is today because I constantly talk to myself out of it. I'm not a writer. Where do you even begin writing a book? So about a year ago, my girlfriends I meet with every week for dinner, you know, we always talk about things and ideas and we cheer each other on and get it going. So threw this at them and they were like, are you nuts? Yeah. Like, this is a great idea. You need to do this. And I kind of showed them rough copies and they're like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Like, get this out, get this out. So I was like, okay. And I joined a writer's group in Gettysburg, which I started going to and started learning more about how to begin. You know, I went on Amazon and did some research and, and started getting really serious about it. So about a year ago, 
I started getting serious and I started doing my proof and writing and I um, got a lot of help. And I think, you know, you brought up some really key points for our listeners in terms of you surround yourself with a group of supporters that you do on a consistent basis. And that's so critical because as women, very often we make sure everybody else is supported and we forget about ourselves. And so I applaud the fact that you keep that as a priority. And I hope our viewers are really listening to that because we need that for ourselves and a network to go to that's safe, that'll call us out. And it sounds like your friends did. Hey, what are you doing? You got this idea. How long are you going to sit on this? Right. Something happen with it. Right. And then a step beyond that is then you took action on that relative to joining a professional writing group to help you hone that skill so that I think often as women, the other thing we do is we don't take that next step. And then we say, oh, it never worked out or I wasn't able to do it, but we didn't push ourselves and you right. did. And so I think that that's really noteworthy in terms of those next steps to take. And now this book is available on Amazon. Book Baby, Target, Barnes and Noble, Great Reads and a few other more places I can't even think. So it released on Mother's Day. So it's out there. And I was looking at my teens that were working for me. And I thought, what happened? Why is this happening? Why are we not able to problem solve? So I thought, well, maybe it starts when we're little, you know? So I began watching our customers and even myself. I'm a mother of two. You know, know, I do it. I still do it where we're not taking the time to show our children how to do simple tasks like clean up a mess if we spill our drink, because it's quicker if we do it. Here, I got it. Here, I got it. Here, I got it. Here, I'll do it. We got to go. We got to move in. So let me do it because it's quicker if I do it and we can move along. Well, years of that makes a person that doesn't know how to do anything. So I went back to, you know, what would you do if, and there there's situations in here for little kids, What would you do if somebody made fun of your body or if someone didn't want to sit with you at recess or play with you or eat lunch with you or all these different issues are in here? Well, what would you do? How would you approach that problem? And we need to get our kids talking in a group session at school, maybe circle time. Let them start talking. The answers may not be right or whatever, but let them start talking and let us guide. Well, how about if we did this? What what if we tried this? Or maybe the next time that happens, you can do this and see what happens and, you know, give them ideas because they're little, they're young. They don't know what to do. And I think our natural reaction is defend ourselves. So if somebody hits me, I'm going to hit them back. Well, let's not do that. Let's talk. Let's say, hey, why did you do that? I didn't understand you correctly. Whatever. Let's. Let's just start giving them better ideas so that as we grow up, we keep practicing that rather than jumping to conclusions and and quickly trying to defend ourselves by attacking back. Let's chill and assess the situation and then go about it. I think so many relationships could be saved. New ones could be started if we just took the time to maybe not attack so quickly. And it has to start at an early age, just come second nature to us, like, I don't know, breeding. And I cannot think of a better note, Philomena, to end the broadcast on than that one. One of reaching across and one of non-confrontation, but of sharing and of taking the time to communicate. So cheers to you. So thank you so much, Philomena, for being my guest today on Women in Manufacturing. And viewers, 
As always, you know that Women in Manufacturing is only one of the many broadcasts that we offer you. You can always visit jacketmediaco.com to find out other opportunities and things you could listen to, such as Manufacturing Talk Radio, Manufacturing Matters, Hazard Girls, and that highlights women that are working in positions that could be considered dangerous in their careers. So please join us again for our next installment of Women and Manufacturing. And with that, cheers, ladies. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.